This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome back to the first. Subhanallah, I was uh, looking forward to getting this restarted after the pandemic had gone away and uh, this will be the first time I'm, I'm going through this series without uh, a live audience here in the masjid where I could connect with uh, the people that are here that are obviously moved by the connection that we have to the companions of the Prophet wasallam, and these noble people that give us such inspiration and guidance as to how we should live our lives. But Qadrullah ma sha fa'al, we're here, uh, we have to do this uh, virtually. But I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put benefit in it and I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lift this pandemic from us as soon as possible so that we can uh, resume as normal in the masjid the way that we used to bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. And as I was preparing the series about the firsts, uh, this was a person who whose name I had uh, circled from the very beginning. In fact, I remember a few years ago I talked about her at, uh, at a conference, uh, I think it was the Pearls Conference in D.C., and I said that if there could be a hashtag about her, like the story of Sumayya radiallahu anha, like remember Sumayya because of how incredible she is and what she represents. And we talk about Sumayya bint al-Khayyat in a few ways. I want to actually preface this because there isn't much to her story that we know of before her actual death. And so we really learn about her when she's martyred uh, for the most part. Her biographies are not long and she didn't live the way that many that were like her uh, would live to see the glory days of Islam. So to just start off, let's let's set the premise. Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha is the first martyr of Islam, not the first female martyr of Islam, the first martyr of Islam, the first shahida of Islam, period. And what that speaks to is that you can imagine on the day of judgment, when we're looking at the maratib, when we're looking at the degrees, at the groups of people that are being raised, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raise us amongst the shuhada, amongst the siddiqun, amongst the martyrs and the truthful, Allahumma ameen, and the salihun, the righteous, Allahumma ameen. When the anbiya come, the prophets come, and you have the siddiqun, the people of truth, and you have the shuhada, the martyrs, the first shaheed to rise from this ummah, the first one to be brought forth, is this blessed woman, Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha. And her story encapsulates something that, uh, that, that really speaks to this idea of being willing to stand alone on the truth. And you, you know, when we talked about uh, Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufayl radiallahu ta'ala anhu and what he went through, and we talked about this idea of trendsetters and strangers and forerunners, she really fits all of these things. And just as Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha is likened to Maryam alayhi salam, and of course, uh, the best woman of her times was Maryam, and then the best woman of her times was Khadija. Khadija and Maryam have similarities, right, in their stories, in their, in their devotion. Uh, this woman is really the Asiya of our Ummah, right? She is the Asiya of our Ummah. Her circumstances, at least in the way that she's killed, resemble what happened to Asiya alayhi salam radiallahu ta'ala anha when she was killed by the Fir'aun. And this is a woman that is murdered by the Fir'aun of this Ummah, uh, Abu Jahl. So she, her story is, is powerful and it gives us a lot. And I want to paint a picture, inshallah ta'ala, of her life before Islam. Her life before Islam. 
Uh, she was an Abyssinian woman, so modern-day Ethiopia. She's from Habasha originally. She was born about 20 years before the Prophet So that would put her well into her 60s at the time where she would be killed. Okay, at the time where she'd embrace Islam and where she would uh, be uh, be killed. So she's senior even to Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, right? As far as age, because Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha uh, was was maximum 15 years older than the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This woman is 20 years older to the uh, to the Prophet sallallahu senior to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. Her husband Yasir uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu was even older. Uh, in fact, he was described that he had aged to a point he had no eyebrows, and they are in the situation that puts them at an inherent disadvantage as far as societal hierarchy and power goes in Mecca. So she was the slave girl of Abu Hudayfa ibn al-Mughira. Abu Hudayfa ibn al-Mughira is the brother of al-Walid ibn al-Mughira. The famous al-Walid ibn al-Mughira who's addressed for his arrogance in the Quran, who is addressed for, for, for his, his boastfulness, his wealth, and how he thought that his power would avail him. None other than the father of Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Walid ibn al-Mughira was also the chief of Banu Makhzum which we'll get to the dynamics of that inshallah in a minute. So uh, she is the slave girl of the brother of Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, Abu Hudayfa ibn al-Mughira. And uh, her master, Abu Hudayfa ibn al-Mughira, uh, gave her in marriage to Yasir. Now, what is Yasir's story? Yasir was a man from Yemen. And he came from Yemen to Mecca for a very particular reason. Uh, he lost his brother or he had a brother that went out to Mecca and was lost at some point. So he actually came to Mecca to look for his lost brother. And in the process of looking for his lost brother, he decided to settle in Mecca and he sought protection under Abu Hudayfa. And so Abu Hudayfa and him developed a relationship. Yasir stays in Mecca under his protection and Abu Hudayfa marries to Yasir, who's now under his protection, his slave girl, uh, Sumayya bint al-Khayyat radiallahu ta'ala anha. And Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha would uh, live with Yasir, of course, both as servants to Abu Hudayfa um, and really, you know, servants to the entire tribe, right? They, they, their lives are going to be uh, like those of servants. And she gives birth to Ammar uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Ammar was born Actually, you know, some of the some of the, the uh, some of the books have Ammar anhu even older than the Prophet Sallallahu slightly older than the Prophet Sallallahu But he's born around the same time as the Prophet Sallallahu There isn't a definitive year, so Ammar anhu comes into the picture, the same age as the Prophet Sallallahu approximately, and you have these years go by, where you have you know the this family that essentially lives in the service of one of the most powerful tribes in Mecca. They are serving the brother of the chief of one of the most powerful tribes of Mecca, the chief of Banu Makhzum, which was the same tribe as Abu Jahl as well. Okay, so it'll inshallah ta'ala start to come together as to what is happening. And of course, this was a tribe that was heavily resistant to Islam, right? Because they saw that by ceding ground to the Prophet ﷺ, they would cede ground to Banu Hashim and they were a rival tribe to Banu Hashim and this was a society where your tribe meant everything. And so Abu Jahl 
would say, you know, we can compete with them in everything. We can compete with them in hospitality. We can compete with them in lineage. We can compete with them in uh, in wealth. We can compete with them in poetry. We can compete, compete with these people with everything. But we can't compete with them if we acknowledge that they have a prophet amongst them. And so you have this, this uh, severe resistance that comes particularly from uh, this tribe and the nobles of this tribe. And Abu Jahl, of course, is one of the people leading the charge against the Prophet He is who the Prophet called the Fir'aun of this Ummah, the Pharaoh of this Ummah. Because Abu Jahl was not just someone who would try to deter people from embracing Islam. Abu Jahl was someone that always brought forth the most despicable of suggestions as to how to persecute and how to harm the Prophet and his followers. And he was the one that always pushed the limit and then opened the door to the next level of persecution. And so you see Abu Jahl is the one that will be the first to take the life of someone for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that person's life is taken for the sake of Allah, uh, for Abu Jahl, for the sake of his, his, his pride. And he's the first one, he's the one that leads the charge to boycott the Prophet and his tribes and to put them in that detrimental situation, to really crush the Prophet emotionally, mentally, physically, by letting the Prophet see the torture uh, of his, his people, both in regards to his followers and what would happen to them, as well as in regards to his own tribesmen, who some of whom were not Muslims from Banu Hashim, Banu Muttalib, but the Prophet would see their uh, their starvation, he would see their poverty, he would see the adverse effects of the boycott and the Prophet would be broken down to, uh, to, to, to eventually, uh, you know, in Abu Jahl's thought, resign to what Abu Jahl was trying to do, which was to level the playing field so that his tribe could still be able to uh, compete and uh, Abu Jahl would not be rendered second, you know, in, in any type of second place, nor would his tribe be in second place because of the advent of Islam. And so what happens with Islam? How does this all come into play? How do we start to learn about Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha and what her family would go through for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Abu Hudhaifa ibn al-Mughira died either uh, right before Islam or in the very beginning. Um, he, he doesn't really play a role in the persecution. It seems like he doesn't really end up living long enough to play a role in the persecution. And when Abu Hudhaifa ibn al-Mughira passes away, the family of Yasir is really at the mercy of the entire tribe. Okay, they're considered at that point Yasir, Sumayya, and Ammar himself, who's a grown man, right? He is uh, at the age of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as well. Um, so they are really considered at the mercy of this tribe. They are their servants. They are, um, they are you know, not people who have a voice or who have any type of say in regards to themselves or in their religion or any type of aspirations in, in life, right? They are to basically serve that tribe. The tribe treats them well, and they treat the tribe uh, well. So they're in this very strange status. Now, Abu Jahl, of course, wants to crush dissent. And so Abu Jahl is someone who will, uh, who will persecute people publicly, who will beat people publicly, especially those that were enslaved. And so it's not just uh, with, with Sumayya radiallahu anha and Yasir uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, but you also see, for example, Abu Jahl beating a young slave girl by the name of Haritha uh, for accepting Islam until she lost her sight, until she, she uh, literally became blind because of the severity of his beating. So he's known to beat uh, people, to persecute people uh, for their becoming Muslims. Again, 
who was the first person to attack the Prophet ﷺ, right? Uh, it was Abu Jahl that would that would uh, leave the way or lead the way for Hamza uh, عنه, to accept Islam, which we'll talk about. He's always the person that takes it to the next level in terms of his persecution. And so Abu Jahl, and by the way, Abu Jahl is also a man of huge stature, the size of Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. All right. Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha is an old, frail woman who has no status in society, an old, frail, black woman who is enslaved, who is from Abyssinia, who is not an Arab, who does not have anyone to defend her, anyone to advocate for her. Just think of the scene of this huge, powerful man and this old, frail woman. And as far as dunyawi distinctions are concerned, worldly distinctions are concerned, Abu Jahl uh, has everything to his favor to oppress and Sumayya radiallahu anha has everything uh, that would cause her to be amongst the oppressed, right? She's an old frail woman that has lived her life in slavery, that never saw any type of, of protection, that never saw any type of honor in this world. And Abu Jahl is willing to do all sorts of, of, of dishonorable things in order to maintain his stature and the stature of his tribe. So at what point do they become Muslim? Mujahid rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, He said that the first to make their Islam known in Mecca were seven. He says the Prophet Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Khabbab radiallahu anhu, Suhaib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and then you have Sumayya and her son Ammar. Okay, so again, the Prophet Abu Bakr, Bilal, Khabbab, Suhaib, Sumayya and her son Ammar. Yasir would become Muslim after Ammar and his mother uh, Sumayya. May Allah be pleased with them all. So he says that of these seven, the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr عنه, they were protected by their qawm, they were protected by their people. Now that doesn't mean that they were not tortured, right? The Prophet ﷺ was not tortured at least uh, at that point. Abu Bakr who was privately, as when we spoke about Abu Bakr who privately uh, tortured by his people, but not in the public space and not to the degree that the others would be tortured. As for the other five, right? These are the types of people who are ripe for torture. Who's going to defend them? Who's going to come to their aid? Uh, they're, 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 you know, they're not a people who have the protections of a tribe in Mecca. And so Mujahid radiallahu ta'ala rahimahullah, he says that these five were forced to wear uh, male coats, you know, male coats, the you know, the, the metal armor uh, in public under the hot sun, and they were beaten under these metal coats under the hot sun and dehydrated, and so they were beaten under the hot sun, tortured, and we know the famous story about Bilal anhu. We know about the torture of Khabbab anhu. All of them were tortured in the public space to make an example out of them. And the idea was, we'll start with the severe torture of these people, and then they'll start to move on uh, to, to torture those uh, in, in regards to their ranks, right? The point is, is that this is to intimidate people to leave Islam. And subhanAllah, what happens is that all of these people stayed upon Islam, and all of them uh, became amongst the nobles uh, within Islam. So none of them were actually deterred, despite the type of torture that they would go through. So Abu Jahl, he says, you know, he, he threatens his slaves and, and 
this was a woman that had come forth and she said to the Prophet And this is beautiful that that's what's narrated that she said to the Prophet when she embraced Islam that I bear witness that you are the Messenger of Allah and that your promise is true. Because it's the true promise that would keep Sumayya going as she goes through all of these different trials and hardships. And as I go forward, I want to also remind you that the others in this equation, all the others in this equation lived to see the glory days of Islam, including Ammar her son. So Sumayya is the only one out of these seven who would die as a result of the torture and who would not live to see any of the, the glory days of Islam, see the point where this turns. And she was particularly annoying to Abu Jahal because she was an old, frail woman from Abyssinia, a slave, someone who never had any status in society, but she seemed to be the most determined. And if you think about the scene of Bilal anhu and the torture that he's going through, Bilal is winning the battle, right? Despite the, the physical humiliation of Bilal the fact that he's still saying Ahadun Ahad is humiliation. One, one is humiliation to his master. And here in this situation, the fact that Sumayya seemed to not be you know, deterred by any type of torture really annoyed Abu Jahl, who physically was just overwhelming to a person like Sumayya. So you see that she was the one in particular, Abu Jahl experimented with torture on her. SubhanAllah, I mean, just think about that. He experimented with torture on this old frail woman because no one was going to come to her aid. No one would be able to come to her aid. So you find all types of torture with water, types of torture with the, uh, with the dirr, with the male coats, uh, with the, uh, you know, with, with the dehydration, with the lashing and the whipping. Um, you know, Abu Jahl would, would bury her to an extent into the ground. He, she would be kicked. She would be harmed in all types of ways. And the point was to break her spirit. And, you know, the intention of Abu Jahl uh, didn't seem to be to kill anybody. It was that he would break their spirit. They would renounce their Islam in the public space. And that would send a signal to everyone else. And every time Abu Jahl would torture her, and she would respond with dhikr and respond with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and strength. He, he would say to her, I swear that you will curse Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or you will die a horrible death, right? So the, he wanted to get them to actually curse the Prophet sallallahu It was not just that they renounced their Islam, it's that they publicly cursed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Sumayya radiallahu anha would respond, Bu'san laka alihatik. You know, instead she would return the curse to him and to his gods. Right, maintaining instead the honor of the Prophet or the name of the Prophet in honor, as well as the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, her Lord in honor. Right, no way. I'm not going to curse them. I will not say anything that's displeasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, or assign a dishonorable uh, taunt towards the Prophet Instead, she responds not with silence, right, because he's beating her and torturing her and saying curse Muhammad but instead she curses him and curses his gods. And Abu Jahl, you know, as I said, Sumayya radiallahu anha is like this, the, the Asiya of this Ummah. Abu Jahl is the Fir'aun of this Ummah. And, you know, you think about the, the uh, how repulsive his behavior is. And the way Allah Azza wa Jal describes Fir'aun, يذبحون أبناءكم ويستحيون نساءكم. 
right? What, he, what, what Fir'aun does to your sons and does to your women. And here you have Abu Jahl um, humiliating this woman in public, murdering, of course, as we see later on, her husband and humiliating her in public the way that he was, having absolutely no regard for her honor. And the Prophet ﷺ could not do anything to support her uh, in this regard, nor to support her husband Yasir, nor to support Ammar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased uh, with this family. Allahumma ameen. Instead, the Prophet ﷺ could only walk past them. And they were being tortured very publicly. And the Prophet ﷺ could say, Sabran ya ala Yasir, mawridukum al jannah. Be patient, O family of Yasir. Your mawid, you have an appointment, you have a place in Jannah, you have a place in Paradise. And the Prophet ﷺ would say, Allahumma khfirli ahli Yasir, O Allah, forgive the family of Yasir. Prophet ﷺ, you know, is seeing these people subjected to the worst type of cruelty and he can't do anything about it. Um, they cannot, you know, some, someone might say, well, why didn't Abu Bakr anhu purchase them the way he purchased? Bilal uh, and Khabbab purchased the freedom of Bilal and Khabbab. There was no such contract that, that could be entertained because of the status, the limbo that they were in, right? They're not, they're not technically slaves and they are also not independent or free. So they're in this strange, vulnerable situation as a family. And Abu Jahl does not want to see them freed. Abu Jahl wants to prove a point. Right? He, is the, he is the dirtiest in that he wants to torture them to where he can prove this point. And so they have to walk by and just see the torture over and over and over again. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Be patient, O family of Yasir. Your, your place is in paradise. And it, it's telling that the Prophet ﷺ did not make them patient with anything but Jannah, right? but paradise, but the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He did not say to them that, you know, uh, Allah is going to do away with your oppressor. He didn't say to them that something's going to change in regards to the worldly circumstances. Just that your place is in Jannah, right? Because the way that this was going to end was either death or renouncing Islam. And they weren't going to do that, right? So this is, this is a difficult thing for the Prophet ﷺ to bear as he walks past them. Uh, every day and he sees them in this torture for so long. And it's important to also think about when the Prophet ﷺ says, Jannah, that your promise is Jannah, your place is in Jannah. You have you have you have a, a, a meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah that what comes after this torture is eternal bliss. That this is what the Prophet ﷺ told the Ansar when they came to Medina when they came from Medina, right? And they take on the Prophet. ﷺ. What are you promising us? What are you going to give us in return for taking you in and putting ourselves in such a vulnerable place? And the Prophet says, Al-Jannah. He doesn't say to them that I'm going to promise you that one day your city, Yathrib, after it becomes Medina, will be like this and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor you in such and such way. The promise is Jannah. The promise is paradise. And that should be enough. That should be enough. And that's what the Prophet is giving to Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha and Yasir and Ammar, that your place is in Jannah. Your promise is paradise. And as the Prophet ﷺ is walking by them and seeing them in this way, I want you to imagine Sumayyah anha that had torture experimented on her, dipped in all sorts of ways uh, into different types of, of, of water, uh, in containers, into the sand, tortured, humiliated, abused.
And she is the first shaheed, the first martyr of this ummah. And the Prophet said that on the day of judgment, the person who had the worst type of adab, the worst type of punishment in this world, would be dipped in paradise one time. Just be dipped one time in paradise. And it would be said to that person, have you ever seen a difficult day? Have you ever seen any type of sadness? Ever any type of misery or sadness? And that person would say, never. I've never seen sadness in my life. I've never seen misery in my life. SubhanAllah, in my existence, I've never seen anything sad. I've never seen any hardship. Because of one dip in paradise. Imagine the first woman, uh, the first martyr, right? This woman, Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we're not just talking about a dip in Jannah, but the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforts this woman. And the fact that, you know, this was not a woman that saw good days before Islam, right? In the sense like this was not a woman that lived a life of ease before Islam, nor did she live to see the glory days of Islam. Her life was a difficult life until she embraced Islam. And it only became even more difficult in Islam, right? So when you talk about uh, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, our mother who uh, lived a good life, right? And then went through all sorts of harm, suffered, you know, the difficulties that she suffered. Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, of course, is higher than Sumayya radiallahu anha in, in that, you know, her status is, uh, is, is, is at a different level. But, you know, she had her good days before Islam. Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha did not have good days before Islam and that she never experienced any goodness of this world. She did not experience uh, the, the, the wealth of this world. She experienced hardship her entire existence, yet she's the first of this ummah to transition into the realm of paradise, right? The first person to see the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Prophet sallallahu was giving of paradise was this woman Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha, right? As she transitions from this life, into the next and she precedes everyone to paradise from this ummah of the Prophet being the first one to lose her life uh, in that, that process. And so, you know, this is what the Prophet is, is saying to them. And as they're being tortured, one of the, the ways that this torture is taking place is that they're all seeing one another tortured. Okay, so imagine the pain of Yasir seeing his wife tortured this way. Imagine the pain of Sumayya, seeing her husband tortured this way. Imagine the pain of both of them seeing their son Ammar tortured this way. And then Ammar radiallahu ta'ala anhum uh, ajma'een, uh, witnessing his parents uh, being tortured this way. And that type of torture is not just physical. But with Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha, the more that Abu Jahl increased the torture, the more she seemed to be increased in her uh, in her perseverance. And so as Jabir radiallahu anha, anhu, he says that they were they were killing her, yaqtulunaha, wa ta'ba ila al-Islam. And she was refusing anything but Islam. Anything Abu Jahl threw at her, she threw it back at him, right? Her words always had such a power to them. Despite her frailness, despite her age, despite her status, it seemed like every type of torture increased her in conviction. Now, there's the pain of the Prophet seeing his followers being tortured and not being able to do anything. And under this type of torture, um, you know, Ammar would, would himself, right? He, for a moment, as he's being told, 
to curse the Prophet ﷺ. For a moment, he buckled under that weakness to save his life. And the Prophet ﷺ, of course, told him that he would be forgiven, which we'll talk about, right? But Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha, there's a, there's a, a poem in uh, Kitab Anashid Abi Mazan. He says, Sumayya tu la tubali hina talqa adab al nukri yawman aw talina wa ta'ba an turaddida ma aradu fa'ashat fi idad al-salihina. You know, Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha refuses to say anything that would displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more that these people, these enemies of Allah, tortured her, the more that you would see the fragrance, the more that you would see the sweetness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, her belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming through. Uh, and she refuses to say what they tell her to say and, uh, and, and dwells um, in, the, in the ranks of the righteous. So where do we get to the breaking point with Sumayr ta'ala? Abu Jahl goes even lower than uh, he has already gone, gone and, and you know, Abu Jahl, as he, as he descends in his speech, as he descends in, in, in the way that he tortures these people, and he comes down to this level, he's torturing Sumayya while she's tied to the trunk of a tree and being beaten. And Yasir is in front of her. Her husband is in front of her being tortured as well. And it seemed like Yasir was at the breaking point and he was about to die. Okay, so as they're being tortured at this point now, after an extended period of time, Yasir radiallahu ta'ala anhu looks like he's about to die. Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha is barely holding on to her life. And Abu Jahal descends. He, he, he goes to the extent of saying to her, your husband is going to die first, but that's probably what you want because you want to marry Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Right, so he, he throws an insult at her that, Oh, well, you love the Prophet Sallallahu so much, so you're, you're probably waiting for Yasir to die so that you could marry the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When he said that, uh, she spits at him. Okay, so she spits at him and she says to him, Allah, ya Allah, may you be humiliated uh, by, by Allah, O enemy of Allah. She, she calls him a foul person. What a vulgar and foul person you are. And she says, Wallahi innaka. You are smaller to me. I swear by Allah, you are smaller to me than a beetle that I would step on in the ground. SubhanAllah, this old, frail woman being tortured, and she says that to Abu Jahl, this huge oppressor, this tyrant. You are smaller in my sight than a, than a beetle that would be on the ground. May Allah humiliate you. When she says that back to him, that's when Abu Jahl uh, opens the door to the next phase of the persecution of the Prophet Sallallahu companions. He takes a spear and he uh, and he places it directly through the midsection of Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha. And so this was the first murder of Islam, the first martyrdom of Islam. And Yasir watches, right? He wouldn't live long after that. He would die very shortly. Yasir watches this man, this this uh, this pharaoh, this Fir'aun, take that spear and put it directly through the midsection of Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha. And, and her shout, uh, you know, her, that murder uh, really sent a, a, a different type of message through Mecca, through the streets of Mecca, that things had gone to another level now. And as he uh, killed her in that way, radiallahu ta'ala anha, you know, I, I want you just again to think about what the Prophet mentions about the martyr in particular. 
that uh, they see their place in Jannah with the first strike. This was a woman that never saw bliss in this world. But with the first strike from Abu Jahl, uh, she sees her place in Al-Jannah. She sees that promise of the Prophet ﷺ. And her soul ascends after the hardships of this world to be amongst the first, uh, to be the first uh, martyr of this, of this ummah, the first shaheed uh, of this ummah. Anha. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on her and have mercy on her husband Yasir, the second martyr of Islam, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who passed away shortly after, after seeing what he saw uh, of his wife and, and as, she was, as she was tortured in such a way. Ammar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the pain of what he had seen uh, in his parents, the way that they were killed. And also Ammar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, knowing that he was spared because he said in that moment, uh, what Abu Jahl had commanded him to say. And Ammar was embarrassed to be around the Prophet and the Prophet after seeing Ammar hiding himself from him and, and, and lowering his face from him, the Prophet said to him, what is it, O Ammar? And Ammar tells the Prophet that I cursed you, that in the process of that, of that torture, I cursed you. And the Prophet said to him, not only that he would be forgiven, he said, in adu fa'ud. He said, if they do it to you again, then do it again. It's okay because it was from your tongue, not from your heart. This was something that you said in a moment of torture to save your life. So if it's from your tongue and not from your heart, in adu fa'ud. And this is what uh, some of the ulama say, illa man ukriha qalbuhu mutma'innun bil iman, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a person who's forced, but their hearts are uh, cemented, contented with faith. Uh, filled with iman, you know, tranquil and uh, and full of certainty in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is regarding Ammar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who in those moments said uh, what he said uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And I want you to imagine, you know, Ammar uh, having to watch Abu Jahl walk around Mecca without consequences for years after murdering his parents, right? And putting him through that. How Difficult is it for you to walk through the streets of Mecca? For, you know, and the murder of Sumayya radiallahu anha is around the fifth year after Wahi. So we're talking about another, you know, seven, eight years uh, walk, watching the murderer of your parents walk free and proudly in the streets of Mecca and not being able to do anything about it. And that's where Badr comes in, right? Years later, the days of Badr come and the Prophet Sallallahu knows, right, the pain that, so, that these people have faced from those that are coming from Mecca now to further uh, humiliate them. And that's why Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu murders, uh, or Bilal, I don't want to say murders, Bilal radiallahu anhu kills in the process of Badr, right, the one who tortured him, who put him through all of that, uh, those difficulties. When he sees Umayyah, he, he can't hold himself. Right? Bilal radiallahu anhu, all the years of that torture, all the years of that pain, he sees him. And he and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives him that revenge uh, in this world. Uh, Abu Jahl, who had harmed so many people, the Fir'aun of this ummah, as we mentioned, what he did to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and, uh, you know, and, and the torture of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu triumphing over Abu Jahl in Badr, in the Battle of Badr, killing him in the Battle of uh, Badr. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I mean, just the way that this happens, uh, 
the way that the Prophet understood what these people had been through, he goes to Ammar on the day of Badr and he says, Allah has killed the killer of your mother. Knowing that Ammar was living with the pain of watching his, his mother murdered for all, of the, you know, for all of those years, watching his father murdered and the murderer walk free, the pain of that, right? And the Prophet says, Allah has killed. Not Ibn Mas'ud, not the two young men that, that, that struck Abu Jahat. No, Allah has killed the killer of your mother and uh, the one who, who was the Pharaoh of this Ummah, the Fir'aun of this Ummah. Abu Jahl humiliated by the same people that he used to humiliate in the battle of Badr. And Ammar would be uh, reunited with his mother 50 years later as he himself is martyred. Uh, and the Prophet also, you know, some of the some of the scholars uh, mention, you know, that the the righteousness of Ammar like this is something that he could have lived with from a place of guilt for his entire life. But the Prophet mentioned that uh, the army of of truth is the one that has Ammar amongst them, right? So the army in which Ammar is in, uh, the side that he's on is the right side, right? And Ammar uh, would be killed um, in, in the fitna later on. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, anhu, wa an ummihi wa an abi. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on all of them. And so Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha, being the first martyr of Islam, is significant. And there are many lessons that we can learn. And she is unique in that she did not live like Bilal radiallahu anhu to see Badr or Khabab radiallahu ta'ala anhu to see later on. She didn't live to see what these people saw of the glory of Islam in this life. But she did live. Don't say about those that have been killed in the way of Allah that they are dead. Rather, they are alive, dwelling with their Lord. She did live to see the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's promise in paradise. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with her and have mercy on her. And of course, you know, the significance of the first martyr in Islam being an old, frail, uh, woman from Abyssinia that was uh, that was dealt with in this way, which shows that the honor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not know the distinctions of this world. It does not know the distinctions of this world. And so she is honored in every way by what Allah has given to her. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on her, be pleased with her, be pleased with Yasir and Ammar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with them, with the prophets, with the shuhada, with the siddiqun, with the salihun, and the highest level of Jannah al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayran, inshaAllah ta'ala. We will continue uh, next week. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.